Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports, and we are your hosts here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's a Wednesday on the show. I appreciate you guys allowing me to have the day off on Monday, a busy travel weekend, uh, combined with some, some deadlines that I had to hit, which required me to you know, focus on some of the games that were happening on Sunday uh, led to uh, an inopportune uh, availability for recording. So Kyle uh, carried the show for us. Thanks for doing that, my man. It's good to be back with you here on a Wednesday. Yeah, just call me Greg Jennings. I just put the <laughs> team on my back, you know. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't care if I broke my leg. Just carry to the end zone. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And- yeah, yeah. Welcome back. It's nice to have you back in all seriousness. Yeah, thank you. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, since I am back, let's let's put it out there. You guys got to make sure you're subscribed to the show. You know, I, I mean, we are a three times a week show for you, and we want to make sure that you don't miss anything. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast resource you use, and then if you're kind enough, shoot us a review. We'd really appreciate it. We've got a lot going on, and we will continue to have a lot going on throughout the duration of the season, the draft season, the postseason, the summer. So hit that subscribe button and show us some love. We'd appreciate that. Absolutely. And um, you you really don't want to miss everything from the pre-show banter, which, I mean, let's be honest, we have some pretty outrageous conversations on this show, Joe. Yeah. And I I actually, I'm going to spring you with one right now. Oh, boy. What a segue. What a segue. So I just saw something the other day, and I went out and bought one for myself, and I'm in love with it. And I'm curious if you've seen these. It's a little adhesive collapsible button that goes on the back of your smartphone. Have you seen these? I know what you're talking about. So it's, it's a, like, a, like a 3M adhesive that goes on the back of your case, 
and it's fairly flat. It sticks up maybe a quarter of an inch, and then you can pull it out so you can slide your fingers around the back end of the phone so you can hold your phone without having to wrap your hand around the actual phone. It's a game changer, man. I'm telling you. It's a game changer for you, Kyle, because I feel like you're taking a lot of selfies, and it, and it allows you to cool. hold the phone more firmly, man. That's what that's for. <laughs> When's the last time you saw me take a selfie? I wouldn't expect you to do it in front of me, you know, but I, I, I feel like that's that's what the reason, that's the reason people are getting these, you know? No, 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 no. It's, it's stability Look, with, you, with, the, with the extension, with the arm extension. Hear me out. Okay. You can pop it out and you can stand it up. It acts as a stand for your phone so you can stand it up on your desk as well. I'm, I'm literally, I'm at my desk and my phone is propped up against a book. I, I think it's useless. Okay, what happens if you don't have a book? I, it's never. What happened. happens if you're at? The, what happens no. if you're at? No. You know, Jack in the Box, and you're having food, or you're at yeah. Cracker Barrel. You're gonna you're gonna prop it up against the peg game that you, they yeah. sit on all the tables. Exactly. You prop it up against a salt and pepper shaker. You know. You, okay, and that's disgusting. Oh, Kyle. You know, we are not agreeing on this. I'm not giving you this one. We 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 came to a mutual understanding on the fidget spinners. But this is not this is not something that I'm going to be. Uh, last team. last I checked, you dogged me for fidget spinners at first as well, though. Kyle, the girlfriends had one of these buttons, and, and I, so I've been exposed to this. It's not a new thing for me, and uh, it's just you hold it, your phone's awkward, it's bulky in your pants. There's just there's no there's just there's no benefit to it. It doesn't give you anything that's not readily available to you at any given moment. Folks, mark it down. Joe Marino's worst draft take of the season has already taken place right here today. That's a bad take. That's a bad take. It'll get worse. It'll get worse. Oh, (laughs) vault him. He said so himself. Uh, So so why don't you tell the folks about some good takes that you had? Because I know you liked the player when you were in Charlottesville this past weekend that really stood out to you, a guy who I've also liked on tape from what I've seen. Joe, kind of break down the trip for us, how it was, and, and who really caught your eye. Yeah, really, really nice trip this past weekend to Charlottesville to see the Indiana Hoosiers take on the Virginia Cavaliers. And that might not sound that sexy of, of a game, but there was a lot of NFL talent on display. Guys, a lot of guys that we're going to be talking about throughout the course of the next several months that will be on your favorite teams uh, come next next spring. Uh, but uh, the guy that really stood out in that, that game for me was uh, Indiana cornerback Rashard Fant. Uh, you want to talk about an aggressive dude who plays feisty, has active hands, very balanced in the contact window, will crowd routes early, even though he's not super big or super long. You know, that's a sharp fan. I think this guy's going to be a big-time nickel prospect. Uh, they went after him a ton, uh, Virginia, and I don't really know why because it wasn't working. They challenged him at all levels. Uh, the quick stuff where he was able to really drive off his back foot and show good closing speed and physicality to, in those quick and close situations. They tested him vertically. He was in phase consistently. He did well to pin those routes to the sideline, get his head around and play the football. And, uh, you know, there was a really, you know, those, those were some really good man reps. But then he had a zone rep later in the game where he peeled off his man and worked back into a throwing lane just with perfect timing, really knew how to layer that coverage, squeeze his route and then get off it and read the quarterback's eyes. I thought I saw a really complete football player. I know he's had a few injuries here lately and, and, and those types of things. But in this game, man, I thought I, thought I saw a really high-quality nickel-type prospect. And um, a guy that I, didn't, I wasn't super familiar with going into the game, but it came away you know, with a very favorable impression. 
Yeah, he's got over 40 combined passes broken up and interceptions in his career. He is super productive playing the ball. Yeah. And uh, yeah. from what I understand, you know, I did not get a chance to catch that game, but it sounds like he was up to his old tricks uh, playing aggressive and getting after the ball. Oh, yeah, no question about it. Just some, other, some of the guys on Indiana, you know, I think one of the guys I was most excited about looking at in this game uh, was to Gray Scales, the linebacker, senior linebacker for them, super productive player. Focused in on him quite a bit because, you know, Virginia doesn't offer a lot offensively. So I didn't, my eyes were pretty consistently on Scales and Fan, you know, every rep. And he's noticeably better. And, and not that every linebacker isn't noticeably better playing clean. But uh, when he has to shift through some traffic and play through contact and keep his hands out in front of him, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of, you know, positive reps. He really kind of got hung up. And uh, he's a guy that he has the speed and the lateral movement skills when he's clean. But, you know, when he has to shift through some traffic, he noticeably drops off. Looking at the offense for, for Indiana, uh, Simi Cobbs, right, the, the main attraction. He's, yeah. He came off an outstanding game against Ohio State. Wasn't as good. Uh, against Virginia, but there were some things that I took away from him that I hadn't seen before. He had a 29-yard touchdown reception where he made three guys miss in space. He showed a lot of burst, and of course, the physicality you expect for a wide receiver uh, of his uh, of his size. They they went at him a ton with you know those sideline routes, those just jump ball situations. The ball placement wasn't there, so like he was targeted a ton, and he didn't have a great you know rate in terms of catching those passes. But he still came away with that one highlight real catch where the guy's draped off of him and he's got one arm up. So you can tell this guy's, you know, he's got the ability to win at the catch point. And uh, I was excited to see some of that burst uh, and ability after the catch from him in this game. The guy that I think has really emerged in two weeks now for Indiana, Ohio State game, and then the Virginia game is this tight end that they have, Ian Thomas. He's a Juco guy. Didn't have a, a ton of production last year, but in two games so far, you know, he looks like he can play. He looks like he has a Sunday skill set. Uh, he got down the, the seam vertically on Quinn Blanding on one route. where he, It was just a, a terrible overthrow by Richard Lego. But uh, you saw his ability to, to stretch the field, and he's a big dude. Yeah, 6'5", almost 250 pounds. And then there were some times where he had the ball in his hands. He just kind of leaked off the line of scrimmage, made an easy catch in, in space, and then he was able to turn up field. And you saw that physicality. Uh, challenge tacklers in the open field. So I think in Ian Thomas, a guy like it's nice to bring names to the table. He's a guy that's popped two weeks in a row for me. So if you're looking for a sleeper tight end, you know, Ian Thomas is a guy worth checking out. Yeah, especially because, you know, obviously playing Ohio State, you're playing a lot of NFL talent. But the Virginia defense has NFL talent on all three layers because they have Brown on the defensive line, they have Kaiser linebacker, and they have Blanding in the secondary. So for him to continue to show strong, I mean, that's that's a really encouraging trend line to start to see for him to have those kinds of performances against those caliber athletes on the other side of the football two weeks in a row. Yeah. Hey, can we talk about Brown for a second? Yes, please. <laughs> Hat tip to you, sir. This is the guy that you were you were first you were first on him, and uh, you know, I was uh, he he lived up to the standards that you kind of sold him to. Oh man, uh, he's he's strong, man. He, he's a guy that Virginia plays a lot of true three-four looks, right? And yeah. he, he plays that five technique, and, and you can tell he's got the power, he's got the length, and he's got the just the uh, the instincts, I guess. I don't like to use that word, but the processing skills, the, the understanding of where run the, the ball's going, and he can play two gaps, and he can he can penetrate one gap just as well. 
Uh, but uh, his power at the at the point of attack is outstanding. Uh, there was one rep where I really got to see his athleticism, where uh, it was a it was a read option play, and uh, they they went to chip on him. They, you know, they were reading off of him. They went to chip off him. He just disposed that blocker so clean, and then he changed direction, directions and, and chased down. Uh, the quarterback in the boundary. I mean, you can see his change of direction and fluidity and flexibility throughout his frame. He, he's got the, the he's got the looseness to complement the power. I think this is a really good football player. If, if people aren't familiar with him, he's a five star guy, and uh, you know he's he's really starting to come into his own last season. And now he's had a couple good games now in his senior year. Micah Kaiser, the linebacker, he's. You know, he's uh, the tackling machine. I mean, this guy just racks up tackles. Uh, I don't think he's got the top-end movement skills uh, to be a, a highly coveted prospect, but this dude is a, is a really talented blitzer. He had a couple sacks in the game. It's something that he's been really good at his entire career. And then Quinn Blanding, uh, the, the, the five-star safety that went to Virginia, he's just a super smart football player. He's always in position. Uh, he, he makes quick reads. He processes clean. He takes terrific angles. And uh, he's a very consistent finisher. So, um, you know, you just kind of continue to see a very cerebral player in him. But then there's one more guy that pops. So I'm going to bring another name to it, to the table here, and that's uh, junior cornerback Jawan Thornhill. Uh, he got my attention early on with the highlight reel interception where he was – it was a cover three look, and he was doing a terrific job staying inside and on top of the route. And then he just peeled off with the full extension and, and, and came away with a, a highlight reel interception. Uh, but um, – you can just tell he's got some natural movement skills. He's sticky in coverage. He can play the ball, and he's strong, right? So there's plenty of opportunities, uh, you know, even when he's going against you – know, Indiana has giant receivers, even outside of Simi Cobbs. Uh, he was very stout at the catch point when they were trying to, to you know, to shield him off and, and kind of maintain that body position. I really like the way that he competed. So if you're looking for another name in this game that, that popped, Juwan Thornhill, a junior cornerback, someone to keep an eye on. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to getting a chance to see all of these names from Virginia going against yeah. somebody named Lamar Jackson here in about two months' time. I, I see that game on November 10th. Uh, so Thornhill's a name that I'm just going to add to the list. Yes, uh, That's going to be a super fun matchup. And, uh, Joe, there's actually a couple fun matchups that you and I talked about in the pre-show that we wanted to get into today. Uh, a couple pass rusher offensive tackle matchups uh, that – are taking place this weekend. So this is not something we have to wait two months for. This is, uh, uh, for example, Boston College and Notre Dame are playing one another, which means Mike McGlinchey, who is upper tier 
you know, I think would be fair to categorize him at at this point in time. Uh, upper tier offensive tackle prospect going against Harold Landry, uh, who's had a lot of fanfare throughout the course of the summer. What I think is going to be very intriguing and interesting to watch in this matchup is McGlinchey's coming off a bad game and not just like a couple bad reps. Like he was all kinds of out of sorts against Georgia in this football game that took place this 19, uh, 2019 victory for the Bulldogs in South Bend, uh, including a strip sack at the end of the game in the waning seconds uh, that clinched the win for Georgia at the hands of McGlinchey. Uh, he just, on on Saturday night, it just looked like his body was out of sync. He was not getting depth in his pass set. He was hinging early at the line of scrimmage. Uh, his hands were wide, and it really prevented him from hitting those punches, which is such a strong part of his game, that initial strike to kind of negate an upfield rush. Uh, I didn't see a lot of what I had been accustomed to seeing in 2016, from McGlinchey. So now he's going against a guy in Harold Landry who's more twitched than anybody Georgia has on defense, whether that's Bellamy or Lorenzo Carter. Uh, Landry's got better twitch than both of those guys. And it's an opportunity for Landry uh, to really uh, expose a potential flaw in McGlinchey's game that, that could put a, a real damper on his potential draft prospects if he comes out against NFL caliber talent two games in a row and he'll have plenty of chances to play at Notre Dame NFL talent is at pass rushers but these speed guys you know this can be a really big red flag if he comes out and lays another egg and it doesn't come out that he's either battling an injury or something like that if he just comes out and just flat out struggles against speed rushers two weeks in a row uh, that narrative's not going to go away this is his last year in college that's something that's going to get talked about. So McGlinchey really needs to have a strong bounce back. And Landry, from all accounts from our, one of our national scouts, John Ledger, uh, had a little bit of an underwhelming performance against Wake Forest this past weekend as well. So both of these guys are not coming off their best performances. And you know whoever gets the upper hand here... Uh, is going to be big, but just as big is the guy who comes out and has poor performances two weeks in a row. Kyle, what do you what do you make of a of a performance like that? I mean, it's twenty seven starts now for Mike McGlinchey. You know, we've 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 got a good feel for what he is and what he's capable of. Uh, how do you how do you contextualize that performance in the entire scope of his evaluation? Right. I mean, they all count for one, right? Like at the end of the day, it's one football game. So you're not going to count this five times over and say, oh, well, the glinch can't block speed rushers. But you know, one of the things that you knew was going to be a question for him was from a functional athleticism standpoint, he's, he's good moving forward, but there, there were some awkward moments with his footwork moving backwards in his pass sets. So now like you, you don't want to make – a mountain out of a molehill, but at the same time, you knew coming into the year, McGlinchey's pass sets are not his best trade, and now, especially if he comes out two weeks in a row and just gets torched and lit up by speed rushers, that's getting written down. You know, that's something you have to know. You have to say, hey, we don't we don't necessarily know 
unless he comes out against multiple other opponents with speed rushers and handles them, and those are NFL caliber players, like we don't know against top talent speed rushers, he might be somebody that needs a little bit of help. And if he is, that's okay. It can still make him a starting caliber offensive tackle because the rest of the things that he does, I think, are so good. He's excellent in the run game. He's got strong hands. He's got the length you look for in an offensive tackle. So I don't see him playing anywhere else. It's just that he might not be the upper-tier caliber player that I initially thought he was because I came away really impressed with his film. And it's also important to remember he's got all-pro potential playing next to him at left guard. So it's something that I'm going to have to start looking at if I go back to 2016 tape or more 2017 tape. Is he getting a tight end outside of him? Is he getting a guy that's going to chip on a pass rusher that's, that's a speed rusher in one potential one-on-one situations or obvious passing situations from here on out? Like I have to start paying attention to those things because of an incident like this, especially if it happens in back-to-back weeks. And I like I like that he has an immediate matchup against Harold Landry here to – to discover some things, and, and so that right be, get that, back on the horse now. Yes, yeah, that'll be a big one to keep an eye on. We've got another good offensive tackle pass rusher matchup coming up this Saturday when LSU takes on Mississippi State, and Arden Key, the sensational pass rusher from LSU, uh, returns to the Tigers lineup. He's an interesting guy over this this off season. You know, he took a leave of absence. Uh, during spring, he didn't. He wasn't part of spring practice. His family called that uh, leave of absence for personal reasons, and then he had a shoulder surgery in May uh, for what we're we've been told is a rotator cuff injury. And now he's back on the field this week, and obviously that's a big boost for for LSU. Arden Key's one of the one of the top prospects that we're looking at for this class in terms of what he offers with his length, his burst, his flexibility. You know, he's a guy that's going to turn that corner. He's got that ability at, at an NFL level. And uh, he's back, and he's going up against Mississippi State, who features left tackle Martinez Rankin, a guy who really came into his own towards the end of last season. And this is a big-time matchup. Uh, you know, Rankin's a guy who's – who's really gifted in terms of his size and movement skills combination. And, you know, if his growth is what we thought it was over the rest of, over the course of last season into this season, you know, this is going to be a really good game to understand where he's at and then understand where Arden Key's at, you know, with all this time away from the game and, and, you know, if he's healthy, if he looks like the Arden Key that we saw last season. So really big matchup, I think, for both of these prospects and uh, something definitely – you know, we'll preview the weekend ahead on Friday, but you know, early on, we we just couldn't get away from these two storylines because we've got some big time offensive tackle, defensive end uh, showcases coming up. Yeah, and um, Joe, speaking of of things that we wanted to recap, you released yesterday the NDT fifteen poll for Week Three, and I believe you said only two teams stayed in their the same spot that they were the previous week is that correct yeah that's right it's early in the season so we uh, we're continuing to see that shake up with uh, with the staff poll and, and just to kind of let everyone know what happens here is we've got a team of seven members and everybody submits their own individual top 15 and then we uh, we put it all together and, and average it out to get a you know a, a composite top 15 rankings that's reflective of the entire staff and 
So, you know, everything's moving around. Obviously, we've had a lot of highly regarded teams play, Florida State, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Auburn, Clemson. All these teams have played. So we've got teams with losses. And at the same time, we've got a lot of teams like Washington and Oklahoma State, uh, Wisconsin, those types of teams that are 2-0. and But, you know, they've played, you know, school of the blind. No disrespect, but they're not, they're not facing <laughs> – they're not oh, facing. <laughs> they're not facing the premier competition, so you know they're handling their opponents. But uh, you know it's hard to gauge how good Wisconsin is when they've played Utah State and uh, Chattanooga or something like that. So uh, a couple of the storylines that I take away from looking at our, our current poll. Obviously, everybody wants to know who the top four are because those are the playoff teams. We've got Alabama one, Oklahoma two, Clemson three, Southern Cal four, and then That's the wrong. next. The next out is, is Penn State in Washington, and I know that Kyle, uh, you, you heard him there chiming in. Let's go. You have the floor. Talk about why that's wrong. If Penn State's a top four team right now. Who are you taking country. out? Who are you taking? I'm out? taking out Clemson. Ooh. Now listen, Clemson is a fast, physical defense. Clemson is an extremely well coached team. I think Penn State has more offensive explosiveness. I think they have comparable team speed on offense. And you know, I don't really see – the Clemson path is much more difficult than the Penn State path. And I understand that some of this comes down to, okay, how good is the team? Uh, I saw a Clemson offense that, that struggled, granted, against a very good Auburn defense – uh, for all the two possessions, the last possession of the first half and the first possession of the second half, to score any points and get anything going offensively. Well, I, you know, for me, I had Clemson at two. So uh, you're Clemson two? Yeah, I had Clemson oh, at two. Sure. I mean, reigning national champions. They go and you, you were know. right. The takes do get worse. <laughs> they go and have 14 tackles for loss and 11 sacks against Auburn. Not, not Auburn's also playing a, an offensive guard at left tackle. Man, it, that's that's impressive stuff. It, it, look, I I I just, I just with a win over Auburn, the defending national championship belongs in these top four. Penn State's got to you know look. They can't control who they played to this point. They've taken care of the business that they need to take care of. But you know, a, a win against Pitt, thirty-three to fourteen, is not going to move the needle for me. Like a win over Auburn, seventeen-six at home. I, mean, I just, I, I just at this point through two games, I feel a lot better about what I've seen from Clemson compared to what we've seen from from Penn State. But there's a lot of football left. It's going to sort itself out. But um, yeah, it'll definitely sort itself. out. So you sound like you have other takes, though. Yeah, yeah. You have a couple other takes. Well, I guess it's worth mentioning. Welcome to the top 15, Miami. Uh, Finally. They didn't even play a game last week, but uh, Auburn drops out. And then me and you are the only two staffers to have ranked Miami. We've done it three times in a row, preseason week one and week two. And so our, our two rankings mixed with kind of the the uh, – the arbitrary, yeah, scores. you know what yeah. I mean. Just kind of those the fourteen, fifteen spot were all over the place for the rest of the staff. Me and you having them uh, firmly in there really helped them. So they're they're in our top fifteen, and and uh, I think people will see soon here uh, that the Canes are, are a talented football team. But I continue to be very annoyed by where our staff is ranking Georgia. 
this is a team that I've I started off at. I think that my initial poll they were six, and they've kind of hovered right in that area for me. We have them collectively as a staff eleventh. They were fifteenth last week. A road win at Notre Dame gets them to eleven, but. You know, right now our staff has Ohio State at one and one, Oklahoma State who's beat Tulsa and South Alabama, Washington above them who's beat Rutgers and Montana State. Give me Georgia with the win over Appalachian State, a road win at Notre Dame with their backup quarterback, with those horses in the backfield and that talent on defense. Man, I think we're disrespecting Georgia. Uh, Joe, here's the problem with your thesis here. Okay. Notre Notre Dame's not very good. Okay, Georgia so it, with it their hollow, backup it hollows. That's fine, and they won on the back of the running game. Big surprise. Sure, they've got Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. You knew that's what they were going to come in and do. And Joe, you know, I I agree with you. I took Georgia with the points. I thought they'd win the game outright, and they did. Um, but for me, there's a couple spots on that defense, mainly in the secondary. No, they're, they're pretty stout in the front seven, and I really don't trust the passing game, especially without Jacob Eason. Um, it's, they're a mid-team team for me. I have plenty of respect for them, but to, ha- to have them up inside firmly in the top ten I think is a bit rich in my opinion. Collectively, our staff has Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State, Washington, and Oklahoma State above them, and I and I can make a, a very strong case, I think, for Georgia to be ahead of all of those teams. So, two and zero Georgia uh, at eleven, it grinds my gears, man. What can I say? No, I will definitely agree that the the staff in general seems to be drinking the same Kool Aid that a lot of the AP media is uh, for putting uh, Michigan and uh, and um, Wisconsin as high as those two schools are. Those two schools stand out to me as teams are, that I don't think are as good as, as where the teams. national media. Those are NET scouting yeah. top 10 teams. Yeah. And, and they're <laughs> AP top 10 teams too. It's crazy. I believe, I believe the AP poll has four big 10 schools in it, including Penn state in the top five. And then Ohio state, Michigan and Wisconsin are all bunched three in a row in the back half of the top five of the AP poll. And I, I just don't, I don't agree. I don't think Wisconsin or Michigan are top 10 programs this year. Can we talk about how Louisville has the best player in college football and that's not debatable, but they just doesn't have anything around them. So they're like two and O, but, but uh, they're going to be an adventure every week just because I feel like there's so many uncertain pieces around Lamar Jackson, but just because they have him, man, he's uh that's a team that's worth watching every week. Yeah, they um, Lamar's going to get his, and, and I totally agree with you. I don't think it's debatable at this point. Lamar is the best player in college football again. Um, I actually I told you this in the pre-show as well. I moved them down with a win mm-hmm. this week. You know, I wanted to believe in this team. I had him up inside, uh, close to the. I believe I had him seventh in week entering week two. And, you know, I watched them play North Carolina, and Brandon Harris is shredding them in the second half, and they've got nobody with any kind of presence on the back end. They've got nobody with any kind of pass rushing prowess defensively. Uh, they got a nice offense. You know, they got a wide receiver that's starting to come into his own, 
Uh, Lamar looks for him a lot. He's going to be a very productive football player. He made made nice separation routes. Uh, he actually beat MJ Stewart in the free safety for for UNC uh, for a big seventy five yard touchdown play uh, that really stood out to me. Uh, Lamar's going to make things happen with his legs. He's going to make it happen with his arms. He's ultimately going to control 80 to 90% of the team's offensive yardage output. It's just he's that good. But one guy's only going to get you so far. And especially going up against Clemson next week, I expect Clemson to win the game. But I still expect Lamar's going to show well. I think he'll show even more favorably than what he showed last week because he's He's showing more awareness as a, as a timing-based passer throughout some of his reps here in the first two weeks. Just don't kill him, Clemson. I mean, yeah, 11 sacks we, against Auburn. Just just stay off my man. <laughs> we've already lost DeAndre Francois for the year. The last thing we can afford is to lose another great young quarterback no in college it. football this year. No doubt about it. Uh, Joe, let's go ahead and wrap this up. That's going to do it for us today on the Draft Dudes Podcast. We'd like to thank all of you for listening. As Joe said at the top of the show, hit that subscribe button. Follow along with us. We're three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have a ton of great content coming each and every week. We're on the road, if not every week, almost every week. Me or Joe will be live at college football games. So a lot to look forward to. Make sure you guys tune in. We will be back on Friday to recap who you need to watch For week three of college football, I am Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino, and this is the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.